Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Just making sure on those crappy days, just getting up and just doing some stuff and mm. getting out, seeing a few people, whatever yeah. I can do, really. Yeah. Um, I think there's yeah the worst thing you can do is just oh this sucks, and then just sit around by yourself and just stew on it all. Yeah. So um yeah, I suppose that's probably the best the best way of dealing with it that I've found is just you know on those days just make sure I just go and do something. Like- this is Good Humans podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. Hello, all of you good humans. A massive welcome back to everybody who continues to join us here at Good Humans Podcast. If you're new here, a very warm welcome. It's great to have you listening to some inspiring stories from some of the world's most incredible humans. So big thanks to everyone tuning in. Also a big thank you. I've had a few people message me this week telling me they've sent or told their friends about this podcast. It's really, really cool to know that people are sharing the podcast around, getting more people listening to it because word of mouth is the greatest way for this to get spread out to more people because I know I get very inspired by every one of these chats. So it's nice to know that you are as well. If you are enjoying it, make sure you hit that five stars click subscribe or click follow. It's awesome to know how many people are continuing to come back and listen to these conversations. On to today's episode. This guy is one of my good friends who I've traveled the world with surfing for quite some time. One of the most successful and talented young surfers coming out of Australia who has had what I almost think is one of the most unfortunate injuries of all time. Our biggest goal as pro surfers is to qualify for the world tour This guy qualified for the world tour and the morning of the first event broke his ankle and has had to sit the whole season out. His name's Liam O'Brien. He's an incredible human, one of the nicest, most humble guys you'll ever meet. And it was really nice to get to talk to him about his story, the way he views the world and his awareness around the injury he's going through and the mindset that he's maintained throughout the process of his healing has been really special. He could so easily be very against the world, but he's in a good headspace. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to what the future holds for Liam. So sit back, enjoy this chat. Make sure you send us a message if you enjoyed it, share it on your Instagram stories. And yeah, let's jump into it. Welcome to the Good Humans Podcast, Liam O'Brien. How you going, mate? Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm I'm going well. Yeah, it's nice to get to catch up. We're in my little place here at Mermaid Beach. You live just down the road. So let's go back to the start for people. I mean, I guess for people who don't know who you are, who's Liam O'Brien? What do you do with yourself? Uh, Yeah, I'm Liam O'Brien, obviously. I'm from from Burley and I surf, I guess. (laughs) That's what I'm doing at the moment. Yeah, you surf very well. So Liam's a good mate of mine. We've been competing against each other for years and his journey has been incredible with some ups and downs that we're going to get to talk about today. So let's go back to the start. Where'd you grow up? What was your family life like? And yeah, what did you think of your childhood? Yeah, um, I kind of moved all over the place when I was a kid. Uh, my extended family is all from Victoria. So I spent a bit of time down there when I was pretty young, but I was actually born I was actually born in Brisbane and lived on the Gold Coast like when I was really, really young. And then, yeah, obviously moved to Victoria and then kind of came back and I've just sort of been up here around the Burley area i live further north now but um yeah been around burley since and that's kind of like that's really like fostered my love of surfing and and competing and all that sort of stuff 
For sure. When you're in like growing up through school, what was sort of some of your main interests? Because I know you're quite a smart guy, which we'll talk about shortly <laughs> when it comes to what you're studying. But what was that sort of development years of your life like? Did you play other sports? Do you remember what did you enjoy school? Uh, yeah, I um, I used to play AFL for a bit, um, but I was pretty useless. <laughs> no, I got sick of having to go to training and stuff. So I kind of gave that away when I was about 14, I think. And yeah, I just wanted to surf all the time. That was what I was addicted to. And um, yeah, I don't know. I guess the agreement between myself and my parents was like, if you yeah you do well at school, then you can go surf and, and do whatever you want. So um, yeah, that was the incentive to try and do well at school. And as far as school is concerned, oh, I mean, I wasn't like, I didn't love it. <laughs> like get up every morning going, yeah, school. But um, yeah, I knew it was sort of, I kind of realized it was pretty essential to like, as a backup plan to surfing because yeah, as you know it's pretty pretty damn hard to make anything of surfing so um yeah that's kind of where I thought I would end up was at university or something like that um and surfing was just like my passion that I'd do on the side um so yeah that was that was kind of the the motive at school was to try and do all right so I could do something I wanted to do at uni yeah nice when did you when did you get into surfing and what was that early experience with surfing life life what was that early experience with surfing like for you? Yeah, um, I don't even really remember my first surf, to be honest. I was pretty young. My yeah. dad surfed, so he got me into it when I was a pretty little kid. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I just always remember just being addicted to it and just always wanting to be in the ocean and always wanting to um, to go surfing. So, yeah, I, I can't remember a whole lot. Um, but, yeah, I remember definitely early on at Burley and, and – um, yeah, just always like with my fr- going down there and getting dropped off in the morning and just like spending all day down at the point with my friends. Mm. Um, and yeah, just, yeah, always good memories. Absolutely. Yeah. So lucky to grow up near the ocean here in Australia and yeah. get to enjoy that lifestyle. At what stage did you realize, or at what stage did you personally kind of start to think, you know what, maybe surfing could be a bit of a career for me? Um, yeah, I think I never had the most stellar junior career. I, um, I'd get like a result here and there, but then I'd have like, it'd be sort of spaced out between long windows of inconsistency and like poor results and things like that. So I was always like, oh, I don't know, like it's, oh, it's kind of a maybe. Um, and I think I, oh, I think I, I think I made the world juniors just, um, which was like the, the year after I finished school. And that was like a bit of a carrot dangled. And I was like, okay, well, if I can get to this point, maybe I can do the QS for a bit and get, get through a few heats. And, um, I, yeah, I, I just was like, I, I just wanted to surf. That's all I wanted to do. So yeah. I might as well just do it for as long as I can. And, um, yeah, the first few years on the QS, I got smoked. I just got nowhere. And I was like, shit, I'm going to have to <laughs> probably find something else to do. Um, but yeah. And then like probably the third year I did the QS, I started to get some traction and, um, you know, make it as it used to be, make it up through the, like the ratings from the one thousands up to the tens. Mm. And, um, yeah, then it started happening pretty quickly. And then I think the point where I was like, man, I think I could qualify was when, um, my good friends, Morgan Siblick and Matt, Matt McGilvray qualified because I was surfing with them all the time and traveling with them. And then I saw them do it and I was like, fire out if they can do it, I could maybe do it as well. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that was probably the point where I, I thought, yeah, I think I can do it. Wow, that's, cra- that's super interesting for me being, I mean, made with you and traveling with you for a lot of that early part of cu- your career on the QS and sort of seeing that 
mindset that you had that it wasn't until you saw your friends qualify that you kind of felt like it was possible for yourself it's yeah i find that interesting because i i've seen from it quite a long time like far way back that you're capable so it's like interesting to see when that mindset came in for you yeah for sure i guess just it's always like, you know how it is there's so many good guys that mm. surf it's probably the same with every sport um but yeah you just you're like i, I mean i think maybe but you never really you're never confident that you can do it. Yeah. Just because there's so many other good guys and you're always, yeah, you're always sort of doubting yourself a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, to see them do it and then obviously to see Morgan go on and, and go to bigger and better things, I was like, okay, well, maybe it is pretty possible because, you know, I was really close with those guys and, yeah, as I said, surfed with them all the time and had a good idea of, you know, how they surfed and what they, how they went about their business. So I was like, okay, I could see how I could maybe do it as well. It's not that out of reach. Yeah, getting to like travel with those guys and like you said, see how they went around about their business. What sort of motivation did that give you and what kind of things did you see in theirs that you, in their kind of performance that you felt like you were lacking that you like brought into yours for the next year that you made you qualify? Um, yeah, I think um, both Matt and Morgan just have a really consistent base of just like solid fundamental surfing. Mm-hmm. And um, I probably lacked that for a while. Like I could... I don't know, sometimes I'd surf really well and then other times I'd just like, if I'd fall to like my lowest level, it'd be really poor. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of had to just bring my lowest level up, if that made sense. Yeah, yeah. So even on my bad days, it was like, okay, at least I can still maybe get a few scores and potentially get through Yeah, through a heat. And um, yeah, so those guys were just like really consistent. Obviously, they've got phenomenal top tier level surfing as well. But yeah, when they're just, you know, when things aren't going right and um they just got to make it happen. They've still got a really just consistent base of surfing. And, um, yeah, I think that's probably one thing I took from them. And then also just their, like, just their attitude to, to traveling and competing. Like, they just really love it and they um, they don't take anything for granted and, and just enjoy enjoy it as much as they can. And um, I definitely used to be really hard on myself and put a lot of pressure on myself around events, which in one, in a sense, is good because obviously, you know, you care and you're trying your best, but at the same time, it sometimes gets in the way. And um, you just you're not free to sort of surf the way you want to surf. So um, yeah, just especially hanging around Morgan, like just taking a bit of that happy-go-lucky attitude to events and um, and just enjoying it for what it is and not getting too bogged down in the stress and pressure of it all. Yeah, it's super interesting that you say that because it comes up so often with a lot of athletes and a lot of the people I've had on this podcast is that idea of like letting go of that yeah. expectation almost. How did you change that mindset? What was a was there a turning point for you where you felt like you went kind of switch from heaps of pressure on yourself to letting go a bit? Uh, it probably wasn't one particular point or moment in time, but it just sort of like over time, I just learnt to think a bit differently. Um, I've been lucky to work with like a few people and and obviously travel with guys like Morgan, and um, yeah, I think like that just his attitude probably rubbed off on me a little bit. Yeah, and it, it almost just was came from just when we were overseas just going and doing something different and yeah. you know like i don't know go for a hike up a mountain or go and just whatever the place had to offer just going and um, experience the place and the culture and um yeah just get away from the event and away from um just yeah that whole scene mm. <laughs> and then and all the competitors and everyone there like trying to grind out free surfs and stuff so yeah yeah just little things like that and then obviously just being able to travel with friends as well makes a big difference. You're not like on edge all the time. You, you know, you can relax and yeah, yeah. I think it just, yeah, it just sort of happened over time. Yeah. I think that idea of really enjoying the location you're in is so important and something that I've picked up on a lot over the last 
few years is really trying to be like, you know what, like even if I lose, I should still have a good time every time I go away. And it's like a full different mindset shift, but how much more enjoyable is it when you're traveling like that? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I mean, it's a fine balance. Like you're not going to go and do stuff that's going to jeopardize your event yeah, yeah, and you exactly. got to put the work in as well. But like you said, it's like it's probably more important when you are losing instead of just letting that really bog you down and mm. going, I'm going home, I'm getting the first flight out of here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like my mantra has always been like never change your flight. <laughs> like always just even if it's a shit hole or whatever and you don't want to be there, yeah. just um, try and make something of it and um, enjoy the experience because, yeah, you never know when it's all just over, over and done really. Yeah, that's a such a – I love that one, the idea of never changing a flight because yeah. far out the beginning of my career, the first couple of years we used to travel – it'd be like you'd lose and you'd be like, all right, how can I get the next flight out of here? And like <laughs> I look back and I'm like I left like beautiful places with accommodation paid for like days yeah. early just for the sake of it. Yeah, yeah. And it's like it blows me away that that's like the mindset that we used to, well, that I used to have and it's like so different now. But, yeah, you kind of touched on before there's people around you. I know someone you've worked with closely is Reynos. Hayes, who for anyone listening, I guess you can explain to who he is for anyone listening, but how important has that been having a mentor and somebody that you can trust by your side when you're working at events? Yeah, it's pretty important. Um, I've been fortunate to work with a lot of really good mentors in my life. Um, yeah, like guys like Jay Bottle Thompson yeah, from Watson, here. He's been massive Reynos. with in my life. Um, Mark Richardson and and then, as you mentioned, Reynos Hayes who's the Hawaiian Billabong team manager, which has always been my sponsor. So that's kind of how that um, connection was forged. But he's just like a passionate coach as well as mm. the team manager. And he's just got such a like a wealth of knowledge in Hawaii. But then he's like that sort of passion just extends to other places in the world as well. So, um, yeah, to have someone like that in your corner is amazing. And, you know, he's always like onto the conditions and, you know, just even just like, life things as well like if you're a bit stressed out about the comp or you got something going on it's just nice to have someone like that um to lean on but that said i mean you can kind of get the same um you can get the same kind of effect from like traveling with a good travel companions as well like having friends that you travel with that you can like rely on and bounce ideas off and and that sort of thing i think it's just important that you have at least someone that you can kind of just share things with mm. even if it's got nothing to do with the event it just, you know, makes everything a bit more comfortable and makes you feel like a little bit at home when you're kind of homesick or you're stressed or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. And I think that rubs off across like any industry. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete or anyone, like just making sure that you have those people around you that you can talk to people. Like, you know what I mean? Whether it is about your sport or whatever whatever it is, whether it's about what's going on in your life or whether it's go- about what's going on with work, it's so important to have that person to just sort of, take off take your mind off stuff be able to talk to them and like open up and it's such a powerful thing like yeah how important is it traveling having like that switch off with your mates and being able to just like realize that it's not that important that it yeah. is it's like a funny mindset to have yeah 100 it's just yeah it's massive especially some places you go you kind of like it's pretty different it's a bit of a culture shock mm. and then obviously the event can be kind of stressful and there's a lot of pressure there and then you just like if you're just by yourself i've done a few events by myself and you just you <laughs> just just You're constant head noise. Eh? You just trip it. Yeah. But yeah, if you've got a few people to hang around and we hang around with and sort of take your mind off things and yeah, it makes a big difference. It makes it super fun. Hey. How good's it been working with Bottle? Jay Bottle Thompson for anyone out there listening's a ex pro surfer as well from here at Burley Heads and he's um had an amazing career, but he coaches a few of you young guys that have come up. How good's that been having Bottle in your corner to get that wealth of knowledge? 
Oh, yeah, it's, it's been massive. I've known Bottle forever, obviously through Burley Board Riders. Like when I was a little kid, he was like my hero. He's just, you know, mm. the local legend. And then, yeah, to have him sort of be my coach and mentor is pretty awesome. And, yeah, he's been huge. He's taught me so much. Um, he's another big influence on um, that sort of mindset you're, that we are talking about before about sort of enjoying the journey. Um, he's got a funny quote he always uses is smell the roses, which essentially just means, yeah, like take some time and mm. enjoy the culture and, um, yeah, just take a step back and just really get a bit of perspective on what you're doing and where you are. Um, but, yeah, he's he's unreal. Like just, yeah, real character, funny guy, but then, yeah, knows like knows when to – you know, when to be serious and when to focus and then when to sort of let off and, and relax a bit more. Yeah, it's a really int- it's a really important skill to have, that switching on and off. When you're at events, where do you find that balance? Do you find it quite difficult to switch on or off or do you think once you're at an event, like is there anything you do that gets you in the zone? Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a tough one. I don't I don't think I've mastered it. Um, I don't know if I ever will, but it's it's definitely something you're always striving for is like, you want to be focused and switched on at the right times. Um, for me, that's usually just any time I'm down the event, like before my heat or I'm trying to practice, I want to be like really switched on and onto things. Um, but then anytime I'm not near the event or I'm if I'm down there just watching friends, I just want to be like completely switched off and, and not worry about it at all. Yeah. And it's a tricky one, but usually um, if I'm like watching someone else's heat, I'll just like not really pay too much attention to the heats before and I'll just be, you know, talking some crap with someone or whatever. Mm. And then if I'm no, if I'm, you know, if I'm done with my heat or I'm not going to be free surfing, I just make sure I just get out of there and, and go like, like we're saying, just go do something different. Absolutely. That, yeah. Takes your mind off it. Love that. What about another thing that really intrigues me with you is your study, like leaving. And that's, I'm sure something pretty good to switch off as well, whether it be when you're back at home or not. Can you talk to us a little bit about, that journey for you into continuing to study after school and how you went about it all and what you're studying? Yeah, yeah. So I'm um, studying engineering and I started studying pretty much because my I was I deferred initially and I was going to run out of time to defer. And I think it was it was 2020 I started studying. And as, as you know, there's nothing going on. So I was like, oh, I might as well just start this and just get the ball rolling with it because yeah. I didn't know where surfing was going to go at that point. And then, yeah, just got started and, yeah, it was pretty cool to kind of do a few different things, obviously surf and then studying is just like the complete opposite of surfing. Yeah. <laughs> you just like lock into a room and um, and sit down and, yeah, just sort of read and do, <laughs> do tutorials and crap. So, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a bit of a shock to get back to that. But um, I think it was good for me. Definitely taught me but did a, a bit of discipline. Mm. And, yeah, like you said, it was a, just a switch off and, and something to do completely different from surfing. Yeah. And why engineering? Um, I guess that was just, it was what I was enrolled in yeah. <laughs> after school. But yeah, I enrolled because I always kind of like maths and science and that's sort of like a, a field that combines both. So yeah, I, honestly, it's so hard when you leave school to, to know what you want to do. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of, that was like at the time I was like, yeah, I think this is what I want to do. And um, obviously I went and pursued surfing full time for a few years beforehand. And yeah, since I've come back to it, I've, I've been enjoying it. Um, but yeah, it's definitely tricky to know. I think you got to just, you got to just try stuff and yeah, if you like, you know, if you have a bit of a, act on a bit of a whim and go, I think I, I think I want to try that. You just got to go and go and do it. And if it doesn't work out, you just go on to the next thing. Yeah. I love that. It's the idea of like learning that you don't like stuff as well. Like people are willing to not do anything because they're 
just stuck. And I think that idea of like, oh, you know what? I'll try it. If I don't like it, I can move on to the next thing. I've learned something that I don't like. Yeah. And it's cool seeing like that that's how you have somewhat approached it. Like you rather learn something than just be like, oh, you know what? I don't know if I like it. I'm just going to not try anything. Yeah. Yeah. And especially, yeah, like how hard's that balance been with traveling and studying at the same time? Because I understand in my own kind of mind how hard it is to juggle more than just one thing. Like when you're fully focused on a professional sport, it can be quite difficult to find that balance and study as well. Has it been hard for you to study while you're traveling? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's definitely a tough balance. I'm probably not the most disciplined person in the world, so it's just like, crap, i got to go do some study. But I, um, I actually deferred for the Challenger Series at the end of last year just because I knew it was going to be so intensive. Yeah. Um, and I think that was a pretty big help just because as you know, it was just all condensed into a few months. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to be out of focus on that, but I have studied and traveled before and it's tough and you kind of feel like you're really flustered at the time. But then looking back, I've actually had some of my better results (laughs) while studying traveling somehow. I don't, don't know how, but, um, yeah, it's just sort of, it just comes down to just being disciplined and setting aside a bit of time to study and then a bit of time to surf. Yeah. Um, it's definitely doable. You just have to be disciplined. And yeah. once you learn to do it, it's it's like clockwork. But yeah. it's just like when you come from doing whatever you want while you're away and just yeah. sort of floating about, not really having too much structure to your day to like having a really routine structured day around an event, it's definitely a bit of a shock. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just takes a bit of time and then yeah, you, you can get into it pretty easily. Yeah, I love that. It's so interesting. I find when people study and do both, like it's so cool to have – the mindset that you need to have more than just your sport because we all know how quickly it can just get ripped away from you and how much dedication and time goes into it that so many people get left at the end of their career without really anything. So it's like mm. so important, I think, for people to have that balance. And it's kind—it's of, funny you hear so many people put all their eggs in one basket and go completely for it. I feel like in sport you generally hear of like two different forks. There's like the guy who just puts everything into it and gets his success story. And then you've got the guy who like was quite flexible and then the success story. So there's no real blueprint for like success in sport or success in anything. It's just backing yourself and trying to like work out what works for you. Yeah, for sure. And I think at, at the end of the day, you got to do, you got to do what works for you. Like you said, I mean, if, if you are just one track minded and you really can only do one thing at once, then that's fine. You mm. Commit to what you're doing. But, um, I definitely think it's healthy to have a few different things on the go, even yeah. if just you're doing a hobby on the side or yeah, just something like like you said. If it if it takes your mind off stress and pressure and mm. yeah, gets you gives you a little bit of a space to escape, then I think it's yeah, it's definitely a positive. Absolutely. So you said you de- deferred uni last year for the Challenger Series. You did have a great run in the Challenger Series and qualified for the tour. What changed last year for you? Do you think to get over that hump on qualify for the World Tour? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not sure. I think it was, for me, it was just like a gradual progression to that point. Mm. I was sort of like on a bit of a trajectory from a few years prior, you know, like getting through smaller events, getting a win in a smaller event and then competing and getting some results at bigger events. And it just felt like I was like heading in that direction. Um, and then, yeah, I just put it, I just knew it was going to be a sort of a short block of events. So it was a pretty good chance to qualify. And with the way it worked, they let me keep a result from 2020 so I was already sort of in a really good position. Mm. So I just, um, I did like a, like a long kind of preparation, like 
almost like a pre-season beforehand, um, just lots of trainings, you know, lots of like heat drills, all that sort of stuff in the lead up. And then, yeah, just felt super prepared and went to America and got a result. And then it all kind of, the wheels kind of fell off after that and I went terribly through Europe. Um, but um, I think like what really changed was just that like camaraderie, camaraderie we all had. Like yeah. and everyone was just so behind each other. Um, all the Australians, we all just got together and supported one another around the events. And even when you lost, you still felt, I don't know, you still felt excited about other people that you were supporting that were still in the event. And it was mm. like this weird team environment in a in, in an individual sport. It's really cool. And um, I think that definitely helped me a lot. Um, and obviously, I, yeah, like a really good crew of friends to travel with. Like, you know, obviously all the boys I was traveling with and, and then yeah. you guys as well. And um, yeah, even when I was like down and, and I'd lost like – it um it just felt like everyone had your back and then you had other people's back and it was just like this sort of group um everyone was sharing their burden so to speak yeah and then like i think one of the best moments of that whole trip was when connor won france yeah. like I, I lost like second heat and had a terrible comp but I, when he won it felt like i won it felt like everyone won it was pretty unreal so i think yeah just that was probably the big difference for me it was just having that really good support network around me and then being able to support other people as well um, it just really helped soften the blow of like an early round loss and, and yeah, it just, yeah, it all felt, felt right when, when we got to Hawaii and everyone was just like swinging for the fences. Yeah. It's so cool. The idea and the awareness that you have of that being happy when other people do well. And it's a, and it's an interesting mindset to have because it's something that I felt like I definitely didn't have early in my career. I almost had like the opposite of early in my career. Like I'd spoken to someone else recently actually i think it was on that trip that was like oh don't you just hate like when somebody else does well like when you're here trying to do well i was like you know what no i don't anymore like there's nothing better than watching my mates do well like if i'm only happy when i do well that gives me one chance to be happy if i'm happy when all 10 of our mates do well there's 11 chances to be happy isn't that a better idea like and just having that mindset and being like far out it's like not that complex but it's just about like dropping the ego and dropping the expectation on yourself and just being like, Hey, as long as I give my hundred percent and if it doesn't work out, that's completely fine. Mm. And it's just about really going like, you know what? Like if my mates are doing well, this is epic. And like, it's so cool that you like bring that up that made it. And that you said that that's something that kind of helped you. And like, it kind of gives you that drive moving into the next one rather than letting it just be a big speed block when you do poorly. It's like, all right, what can I do now to support everyone else just as good? And that's obviously where it carried on over to so many young Australians doing well. And also you're doing well in qualifying. How cool was that when you qualified in Hawaii? Like what was that feeling like reaching? I mean, for me, I feel like reaching that world tour is a kind of like that goal that everyone really wants in surfing. It's like obviously you want to do well once you're on tour, but like just getting there is kind of that big feather in the cap. What was that like for you when you qualified? Yeah, it was surreal. I mean, that was for me that qualifying, like you said, was just my ultimate goal. I actually never even thought I'd be able to do it. So it was just like this great fantasy that was just so far out of reach that I didn't think it was possible. And then um, it didn't all happen at once. Like it was sort of a slow process year on year to get close to that point. So when it kind of happened, it was, it didn't feel like it was just like, oh my God, what have I done? Like, cause I was kind of like almost there for a while, but it was, it felt like a lot of relief to be mm. honest. It was just so stressful before that Hale Eva event. I, um, made the mistake of looking at the at Kale Bell Warren's ratings charts before one of my heats. 
and realized or came to realize that that heat was the one I had to make to qualify. And it was like, that was like the do or die moment. And, um, like in retrospect, I think I'd already qualified anyway with how it all went. But yeah. in that moment, I was like, oh my God, like this is, this is it. Like if I make this heat, I'm on. If I don't, that's, you know, it's yeah. another year down the drain. Um, so yeah, I was just so nervous, but, um, yeah, I think I just got to the point where I was just like, this is kind of what it's all about. Like getting to be, even just getting to be in this point and this, in this place where I'm like nervous and I've got a chance to qualify. Like it's, it's pretty cool. And then when you, you know, I was lucky I was speaking to a guy called um, Brett Stevens. He's been helping me with like a bit of sort of mental coaching and he's kind of like, mate, like when you look back and you're old and you know, your days, your days are done. You, that, that's the stuff that you look back on and, and you miss, you know, that, that those high pressure, really emotive moments. Mm. And it kind of like, yeah, just resonated with me. I'm like, yeah, that's really true. Like if it was just easy and you didn't get much, you know, you didn't really feel much about it, then it wouldn't be fun and it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be that real big sort of, emotional feeling when you had success so mm. i was like yeah okay well that makes sense it's gonna be it's gonna be hard otherwise it's gonna um it's just gonna be nothing you won't really care about it so yeah i kind of just got to the beach and i was just like well i don't really care what happens if i can just go out and like you said just give 100 percent and come in and feel happy that i didn't i did everything i could then that's enough for me and um yeah and then that's what i did and um yeah came in and, and i'd made the hit and I was, I was like far out that was <laughs> that was pretty cool that's so cool. Like having that awareness around that, that like that feeling's going to come in of being nervous, but then also accepting that like that's really why you should be doing it. It's like it's such a great little takeout that people can probably get out of that. Like those moments, whether it be in the workplace, whether it be anywhere in your life, when you get to those high stress, high emotive moments, accepting it and being like, oh, this is kind of what I live for. Like this is makes me feel alive. It's so cool and interesting. Yeah. Gonna to go to this year. It's been a tough one. <laughs> so you qualified for the world tour. You had a. Did you, I'm sure you would have had a great off season training. Go to Hawaii, feeling amazing. Let's talk us through that first event of the year that obviously you didn't get to surf in. But yeah. let's go through like the lead up to it, and then that morning of the first event. Yeah, so I got to Hawaii pretty early, um, and it was just this phenomenal season of swell. It was so good, like just surfed. I was lucky. I stayed at the billabong house right there and just surfed pipe every day pretty much and yeah for three weeks straight i don't think the wave stopped it was just yeah, pumping it was out. amazing yeah and um yeah just did a ton of surfing in the lead up and then got finally got to the event and i kind of just went out for a warm-up surf in the morning and it was like a bit wonky but not that big yet but it was a building swell and it was a little bit crowded and i couldn't get away and i was just like i'm just gonna get a little one in so i got this little insider and and kind of pulled in and then the wave sort of breathed and then clamped. Mm. And then as it did so, like my back foot got like flipped over. And then as all the energy like kind of compressed, I just got pushed down on my back foot with it up the wrong way. And um, yeah, ended up fracturing my fibula and tearing a few ligaments in my ankle. Um, and yeah, that was it. That was, <laughs> that was the season done right there. So it was like, yeah, it was a bit of a heartbreak. But um, yeah, at the same time it could have happened for the very start of the trip and I could have just missed that whole run of swell. So I was somewhat lucky to even just, you know, at least get a run of swell. But, yeah, it sucked to kind of get that close to the comp and then just <laughs> break Man, my leg. Your mindset even just to say that, be like, hey, at least I didn't break it the first surf. Like that's already shows like how mature, like because what, like we said, that's like our whole goal is to get to that point of qualifying in the morning of your first event, you break your ankle like it's <laughs> baffling and like crazy how hard that must have been 
what was it like for you after you did it? Like, what was that feeling when you came into the beach knowing that was the first, all the events set up, you meant to surf your first world tour event where you qualified on the tour and then, yeah, getting taken in an ambulance probably to the hospital, like. Yeah, um, I guess it was just shock. I was just like, are you serious? Could yeah. I just do that? Um, I was like, I should have just like yeah. not surfed or something and just thinking of all the alternatives. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to lie. It was, it sucked. Like I was yeah. so bummed. But, um, once I got, once I got over that sort of initial sort of like disappointment, yeah. it definitely, like, it was definitely a good time to break my ankle as, as uh, weird as that sounds. Cause, um, like I've had access to like physio and training yeah. and all sorts of stuff. And it's actually, it's actually kind of like been nice to slow my life down a bit. Like it's just been nonstop, yeah. you know, it's like competing traveling everything's just you know so quick and you're trying to you're always sort of like aiming for something you're always working towards something and it's kind of like just slowed me right down i mean don't get me wrong i'd yeah. way rather have not broken my ankle but um yeah. yeah now that it's like happened it's yeah it's really slowed my life down i've been back in oz for a while and been able to catch up with a heap of friends and um and then yeah just gotten right into some other stuff like like my training and stuff that's will probably yeah. benefit me down the track yeah. but i never like I was into it, but not to the point I am now. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of positives that have come out of it. But, yeah, obviously would have preferred to. Yeah, yeah. obviously getting to surf, like having that goal and dream right there and then not really know where it's all going to go from here. Like what's the mindset moving forward once your ankle's better? Have you spoken to the WSL? Do you know, like, what they're going to try and do at all with, like, injury stuff or – um, I've been in contact with them a bit, but they're not too sure. Like yeah, they're gonna, gonna really figure it out once the um once they get past the half year cut. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, I'm just pretty much just trying to obviously get back to get to full health, and um, like I'll just be stoked to go surf again. Like it's yeah. this is the longest I haven't surfed in my life, really. Yeah. Um, the longest I'd not surfed before this was quarantine, which was like two weeks. So <laughs> I'm like, it's been a long time out of the water. Um. So yeah, like I'm just like like I was saying, like it gives you a bit of perspective, and you kind of see how fragile your whole like your life is as a sort of an athlete. Like it yeah. all, can all just end like that, you know. Yeah. And I'm lucky it wasn't like a career ender injury. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I guess it's just like having that perspective. I'm just I'll just be stoked to go surf, and if I can come back and compete, which I'm pretty sure I will be able to. Yeah, of course. I'll be, I'll be pumped on that as well. So um, yeah, I'm just sort of taking it week by week, and um. Yeah, just sort of like getting, you know, going through those little stages of getting a bit of progress each week has been kind of like a fun little task almost just to like slowly get back. And it's almost the same as when you're competing and you're trying to just tick off little goals along the way. Yeah. It's just like doing that all over again. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just kind of a cool perspective. And, um, yeah, it's just like a, a whole different experience. And if you look through like, probably all athletes, but especially the guys on tour, like almost every guy there, especially the guys that have been there a while, have kind of had a pretty full-on injury at some point. Yeah. Some a lot more than others, like a John John. I don't know how he constantly <laughs> comes back. It's nuts. So, um, I mean, not to – it's not meant – it's not bound to happen, but at the same time it's like it's kind of likely that it's going to happen at some point. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it's just like it's just a whole another learning experience just to go through an injury and mm. and try and come back and – yeah, learn all that's involved. Yeah, and like you said, that idea of it being somewhat of a springboard sometimes, most people have a bad injury and they use it to come back stronger. Like Mick's such a good example when he did his hamstring 
he came back like the fittest and strongest you've ever seen him. So it's like a lot of people, like you said, you found that love for training and trying to have that positive mindset through a really difficult time. Like so many athletes would have what happened to you the morning of their first major event, an injury that takes them out for the first five events of the year. But to have that mindset like you do is like such a mature way to look at it and it's so cool to see how you're approaching it. How is the rehab going? Like you feeling good now? You starting to get to that point? How nice was it getting back in the water just to like paddle around the other day? Yeah, yeah, it's been nice. I'm not standing up or anything yet, no. but um, yeah, it's nice just to paddle around and be back in the lineup. Um, definitely makes you appreciate it. But yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like it's, it's freaking hard. Like some days yeah. you get up and the ankle just doesn't feel good and yeah. it's like, pretty heartbreaking just like fuck like, yeah another day i'm doing this again yeah but um that said like other days you'll get up and you'll feel like you're getting heaps of progress and it's just a bit of a roller coaster ride um like anything like you just you just got to get up and just chip away at it each day and um yeah like looking back it's actually come along really well yeah um it's probably still another i'm probably still a month off actually surfing standing yeah. up but um yeah it's been coming coming along good like i can't complain like i haven't had any major complications or anything yeah but yeah it's just it's just hard sometimes you just like you just it kind of hits you you just like fuck like i'm here should be at this comp doing this or whatever but then you kind of just got to pull yourself up and go like okay come on like you just this is what you this is the hand you've been dealt there's nothing you can do about it so you might as well just make the best of it really yeah there's no point sitting around sulking and (laughs) yeah it's not really gonna get you anywhere yeah yeah exactly and that's what i was gonna ask you like how do you overcome those days where you wake up and you're just like like I can't believe this has happened kind of thing like the process that you go through or is it just you know what another day um I mean I I think just when it happened I had a fair few people kind of it's been amazing overwhelming how many people like you know reach out and you know have like have had similar things happen and have heaps of advice for you but I had a lot of people say it just sort of talk about how um you're gonna have shit days (laughs) it's just there's not much you can do about it you're just gonna wake up you'll feel shit you'll feel shit and um, I think I just sort of accepted early on that that was going to be the case and I kind of expected that. And then, yeah, if I get up and I go, fuck, today sucks, but I'll just go, oh, well, it sucks. I'm just going to try and soldier through and um, and just know that the next day will probably be better. Yeah. And that, that's kind of how I've been, like, taking it. Um, just, yeah, just making sure on those crappy days, just getting up and just doing some stuff and mm getting out, seeing a few people, whatever yeah. I can do really. Yeah. Um, I think there's, yeah, the worst thing you can do is just, oh, this sucks. And then just sit around by yourself and just stew on it all. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I suppose that's probably the best, the best way of dealing with it that I've found is just, you know, on those days, just make sure I just go and do something like, yeah. especially now, even just go and get out in the water and have a paddle around like that's Yeah. That's massive. Absolutely. Love that. Well, man, this has been fun getting to have a chat. I'm, <laughs> I'm conscious that you have to go to the gym soon, but, um, yeah, it's been really cool to get to hear, especially traveling with you quite some time and like hearing the mindsets where you were going through the journey, like how you've seen it. Cause we obviously have had similar career paths with being surfers, but understanding like your maturity at certain stages through certain things in your, in it, the last year and a half of like your career with like the supporting each other to the using your friends as a motivator to get there and understanding kind of now how you're approaching this injury has been, yeah, really cool to get to understand the way you tick and also the way that you study as well i think that's super important for any young kids out there listening or any parents out there like that importance of like finishing school and making sure that there is another avenue and more passions than just your sport is so important the last question i do last leave every 
guest with is what does being a good human mean to Liam O'Brien? Oh, that's a tough question. It's a hard one. <laughs> um, Stumps a lot of people. I think you gotta you got to enjoy your life, obviously, and, and chase your passions and do what you love. But at the same time, you want to just make sure you're helping other people to enjoy their life. I think that's being a good human, just helping to spread the, the fun factor. <laughs> love that. Yeah. Spread the fun factor with yeah. Lobby. Man, <laughs> thank you so much for jumping on Good Humans. It's been good fun getting to know your journey. I'm sure... You'll be back stronger than ever. I'm looking forward to getting to watch you and hopefully compete against you at some stage later <laughs> in the year, whether it be at Snapper, if you can get back in time there, or I'm sure we'll have some heat somewhere down the track. So, yeah, thanks heaps for listening. Where can anyone find you on socials? Just I'm sure I'll leave them in the show notes, but you know, let everyone know if they want to follow your journey, where they can find it. Um, I'm only really on Instagram. Okay. I'm just Liam OBR underscore, but okay. <laughs> I'm pretty – I don't know. I don't put anything too interesting up there, but plenty of good stuff clips on there. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to follow the journey and follow um, Lobby once he's back in action on tour and once again ripping out in the ocean, make sure you follow his socials. I will put it in the show notes. But yeah, thanks heaps for jumping on the podcast, Liam O'Brien. No worries, Coops. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Buzz. This has been a Wellbeing Network podcast. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.